I know we really uh, nailed our goal of recording 30. <laughs> <in> a- <laughs> well, we moved the goalpost. That's fine. When you That's- can't win, you got to move. Yeah, the exactly. Post. Exactly. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe there'll be better quality. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I- nice. Thick drop D guitar. I love that the guitar riff doesn't start on the one. Right, yeah. That's one of the coolest things about this song. This is like what I always think of when I think of pop punk guitars. The panning is so wide, just like thick. Also, the little like triangle. Clever. Is that a triangle, you think? I think so, yeah. Great drummer. Great, even better name. I have a good story about that. Longinue okay. Parsons, yeah, you know this good, guy? I have a good story about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pretty good guitar riff. I like the half step in the melody. Da-da. It's pretty good. Honestly, I love their violin player. He's cool. I think like that was their shtick, but it really brings a lot to this this sound. He would do the backflip. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a funny era. Like, remember that band's story of the year? Oh yeah. Their whole thing was like doing flips and the guitar the guitar thing. thing. Good syncopation. I feel like this band kind of understood rhythm a little bit better than some of their contemporaries. I'm good the drummer. Yeah, he's so good. I would say he's, I think he's like my number one pop punk drummer. It's like, I know Travis Barker, like probably also number one. And Cyrus Baluki from Newfound Glory, also very good. (laughs) The drummer always had to be good. Everyone else sucked. <laughs> no, to like make a sound on violin, you have to be good at violin. You do, yeah. Drop the guitar. Uh, one finger. <laughs> oh, I love this sugar cult part. Dude, so yeah. sugar cult. Wow. <laughs> I like this part too. This is like, oh, and this little drum fill coming up is fucking sick. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to write a bridge that doesn't slow down the momentum of the song, right. so gotta give them props. So so earnest vocals. Yeah. <laughs> I like really believe him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we talk about songs we like. We do a little research about what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were in great stop there, wow, <laughs> why the songs were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today, we're talking about an anthem for the sunny and somewhat complicated suburban experience, would you say? Mm-hmm. It's the fantastic song, one of my favorites of the genre, Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. I really like the title. I just want to like get that. I don't know why I really like that title. It yeah. just... It sounds like a like a a place you would want to own in Monopoly. <laughs> do they do? Do they have pop punk Monopoly? That would be really fun. Actually, they have a lot of yeah. They have everyone. If not, I think we have a market. Yeah. Yeah. Ocean Avenue was released on February twenty fourth, two thousand and four, and was certified two X platinum with nice. just a few months. This is a big fucking song. Yeah, for pop punk to go double platinum is pretty pretty sick. It's like, wow, did we like miss out being slightly younger? Yeah. It's like a bummer because I feel like 
I could have not that I would have had like a platinum song back then, but like I feel like maybe I could have done better. But then also on the flip side, it was really nice to have this music when I was a kid. It right. made me like music. Maybe right. it was bad for my career, but right. like better for me as a listener. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I'm just trying to make sense of it. I'm just jealous. Me too. To, to X Platinum. It was recorded at Sunset Sound in Hollywood, California, and was produced by the great Neil Avron. Okay, cool. Who's like, he was like the guy who kind of brought Fall Out Boy into the like, you know what oh, I mean? Gotcha. So he's a pretty big time producer. Gotcha. According to Yellow Card's guitarist, Ben Harper, not the Ben Harper. That would be sick. Just, though. Like, <laughs> he, was, like, he was up there in like rainbow flip flops. Like. I like had to do a little bit of research. I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "This guy's been sneaking in there." Um, according to him, "quote Ocean Avenue is actually about Ocean Boulevard in Jacksonville, Florida." Nice, Blake Bortles. This was before then. This was um, Mark Brunel. Wow. You remember that guy, wow. left-handed? I know the name, but I yeah. couldn't like I can't have no associations, but I remember the name. Mark well, Brunel. we'll have to drop this in to the podcast, but I remember him going on ESPN and being like, "Marijuana is illegal and it is bad. <laughs> it is one of the worst things you can do for humanity and for the body." I was like, "Oh, fuck you." Was dude. this during the Vince Young thing? I don't remember. It was pretty within the last like four or five years. Wow. So maybe it was. I loved Vince Young. I'm going to find it. I love when he was trying to, when Vince Young won that game against USC, mm-hmm. college football championship, he told his offensive line to give him enough time to make him a sandwich. <laughs> this guy, this is a guy who understands what time really means. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, continuing with the Ben Harper's quote, it's this place where we used to hang out in Jacksonville. Instead of talking about a girl, it's talking about a scene and a feeling that we want to get back to, hanging out and writing. It's always fantastic in art when things are not about things, because this is something that happens so so often in real life. Right. I really like that. It's like kind of smart. I think he nails it because like when I was just listening to the song and and you had brought up like maybe like it's like sucks that maybe we were not like old enough or young enough or whatever. Yeah. But the song does carry like I had the emotion of being like I miss this. Yeah, exactly. This, and it's like and that's what the song is about. It's about this scene in this time and what they were doing. And it's kind of like even though the song is positive to me and it's like look at this amazing time we had. Yeah. I'm like. I have this feeling of like I wish I could go back and enjoy this again. Yeah, it's tough. It's like you can't though, you no, know. You can't. And you never nobody can ever go back, but you kind of can when you listen to music. Exactly. Which is kind of like one of the really big benefits I think of music like to humanity. But yeah, I agree. I was like when we listen to it it's like I don't think about this all the time, which is right. weird because it's such a strong memory, but I remember buying this uh, CD at Eliguru, which is now Massage Envy over there in Togo the Hills. Hills. Yeah, I remember walking in and buying the CD because I had heard um, them perform the single Way Away. The yeah, first that's a good song. On yeah. Pepsi Smash, whatever the fuck wow. that was. You remember is that this like, thing? Is that like Palladium? Kind of. It was like, I think it was like on WB, mm-hmm. maybe, or like UPN. Are these channels anymore? Any, <laughs> the ones that showed like One Tree Hill and all that uh, team the shit. the CW? Yeah, yeah. And now it's the CW. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think it was like, in between episodes of Veronica Mars, they were like, nice. oh, yeah, yeah let's yeah, hit them yeah, with yeah. W- with Way Away. And I remember being like, oh, cool, this new pop punk band violin. So I bought the CD. It was the first day of summer vacation, like, that year. And I remember, like, listening to it and, like, going to the pool with my friends, like, right after. And it was like, damn, dude. Yeah. There's something about this song that cues <laughs> I think it's the Florida thing. Might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida, Endless Summer. Yeah. Which is as depressing and fun as it sounds. You're right, you're right. <laughs> uh, Ocean Avenue was almost cut from the album as lead singer Ryan Key 
couldn't really come up with a chorus, which is funny. Huh. It's especially funny because uh, Ryan Key is related to Francis Scott Key, who had a little hit of his own called The Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? Think about how that. You, how do you fucking trace your lineage to fucking the 1700s? Because, like, the song, what, the song was written in probably in 1770-something, right? Is it, was it or re- did he write it after the Declaration? I can't, I, the, the story's weird. I feel like it's not the national anthem until the War of 1812. That might be. But maybe, you know what? That but maybe sounds, I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, I feel dumb not knowing that. But honestly, fuck American history. Because <laughs> it gets associated with like American Revolution. It, yeah, yeah. But I think this. I think you're right. Because we that was when we like really won the revolution. Right, like right, we're right, sure right, we right. got a, we got our independence, but that was when we were kind of like, oh, you can go fucking back home to England right, forever, right? With yeah. your silly ass accents <laughs> <laughs> and your taxes, which are were probably a lot lower than they are for us now. Probably. <laughs> I think it's funny that he couldn't come up with a chorus because to me the chorus here is like huge and just feels like a natural extension of the song. But I feel like the hook is the uh staying up all night. Dun, 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 yeah, dun. That, just that like, rhythm is the hook. That's the hooky part. Which is really fun. Like was that's not like not really something you see a lot in popular music, like a rhythm of a an instrumental is kind of the hook. Yeah. Which is really cool. It's pretty pretty unique. Um I want to talk about mixing complicated drumming. Yeah. Because like I, we have to kind of talk a little bit about this drummer. His name is Longinu Parsons III. Yeah. An unbelievable name. I had never heard the name Longinu before and still haven't. It's sick, yeah. Yeah, such a great name. The dude looks so cool. Um, he was like an he was like truly a revelation for pop punk drummers because he brought something like new to the table. I mean, drumming was always kind of like the coolest part about this genre of music. True. But when you have a drummer who's like playing a lot, he's not just like playing – only a steady beat although the beat is steady right like how do you bring out those elements of all the kind of like nuances to his playing without overpowering anything else yeah i mean because like you know when we were talking during the listen down we were talking about you know the guys who were like the drummers and like you know travis barker always gets brought up but travis barker played in a trio yeah. So there's way less competing going on. Where I think Yellow Card may have been a five piece. Yeah, yeah. They had two guitar players, yeah. a bass player, yeah. um, a violinist, yeah. and the drummer. And yeah. Drummer. So it's like there's so much more stuff going on in these Yellow Card songs that the drums have to compete with. But what I noticed is when we were listening down, is how clear the drum recording is. Yeah, it's amazing. It it's really good. So good. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I need to like listen to some Yellow Card. Oh yeah, more in depth to be like, well, how did they do? How did they do that, dude? This is a great album. Like, it's it's a little bit longer than most pop punk mm-hmm. albums, but it has some real teeth to it. Like, some really good songs. Not really like a bad track. Um, just start to finish, it's really good. Um, I really like this song too. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is recording violins and mixing violins because, yeah. especially like. You think of a violin, when I think of a violin, I always think of like symphony orchestra and like a soloed passage, like maybe right. something like the Godfather theme, nice, like yeah. on violin. You think about all this space, you don't really think about this aggressive punch. So like to have a violin that can compete and fit in with like a rock band is really fucking cool. It's tough. Yeah. So like, it's tough. And they do such a good job of getting that sound to cut through. But it's tough. And, you know, recording a violin, there's only so much you can do. It really is just kind of like the sound of the instrument and the sound of the person playing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you have to take into effect, like, account, take into account the space. 
But that's really only important when you are talking about the song, like how we traditionally think about violin in like beautiful acoustic spaces. It's like, okay, if it's in a studio, it's going to have this space. If it's in a concert hall, it's going to have this space. Yeah. But now if you have quadruple stacked guitars exactly. and bass and screaming <laughs> vocals, it's like the space becomes a little less important. And, and it's more about like, how do we get this to fit in? It needs to be able to poke out. And there's really, the only way to really record a violin is stick a mic in front of it and yeah, record yeah. it. It's like, and you just got to judge how far or close to it you want to get. This is kind of like going a little off book here, but I was thinking about like, oh, part of what's cool about an instrument like a violin is when you record it and you have a mic really close, you can hear all these human elements to it. Exactly. So it doesn't just sound like a string. That's whatever, being manipulated by a computer. And then I, I was just thinking like, oh, I was listening to this Pat Metheny interview where he's talking about recording this uh, Still Life Talking album, which is like his big hit record for it. Sold, uh, it went gold for wow. a jazz album, which that's, is fucking yeah, nuts. That's insane. Um, and it, it had a song that was used in a Publix commercial for like 20 years, which uh, is another Florida mainstay. Nice, hell yeah. But uh, he was talking about how on this record, he's like, I, rec- I mic'd up my electric guitar. Mm to get some of those human sounds. I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's cool when an instrument makes you do that, like a violin. Exactly, yeah. I think I think having violins and cellos and stuff going through a guitar amp is a cool fucking sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it does something to the sound that makes it sound like it's like a classic recording. Yeah. And not in the traditional sense. It's like, you know, because, you know, in tradition, back in, you know, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, they had these beautiful, wonderful microphones but it's almost like the medium was fucked up. Yeah. Like the turntables and what we listen to. The on. way the way that we hear it. Yeah, because so much about and we talk about this all the time, so much about the listening experience exactly. comes down to you, like the listener. Exactly. Not necessarily like you know, we can you, we can go into fucking Blackbird Studios. Is that or is it Bluebird? Blackbird. Blackbird. Okay, I got it right. And we can record with Steven Slate himself. Right. But then if somebody <laughs> just do listens. Some arm curls. Yeah. <laughs> wear tight black t-shirts. Right, right, right. <laughs> Extra medium. But but if we if we if we when we're done with that record and we spend a hundred millions of dollars on it and then somebody just like plays it on their phone speaker, it's like gonna affect the sound quality. Exactly. Exactly. Um the next the kind of the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was just how would I record like does something happen? Let me re- let me rephrase that. Is there something crazy? Like, can you can you explain what happens when you put when you like hard pan guitars? Because I feel like it p- plays this trick, and I kind of remember reading about this at some point, like Phantom Center. Yes. Can you like explain that to me and people who are smarter or dumber than me? Yeah. So like, so f- what Phantom Center is is when you have two speakers set up like we do here in our studio. And you send the signal down the center, so equal equal voltage to both speakers. It does not sound like the sound is coming from that speaker and that speaker. It sounds like it's coming yeah. from the middle. That's the phantom center. It's almost as if there was a speaker in between these speakers, which is why like, when we listen to vocalists in the studio, it sounds like they're singing from the middle of the sound yeah, space. Yeah. And that's what like stereo, that's like the stereo field. And so- you know, even in like mono recordings, you still have two speakers, but the phantom center and all the information is still in the middle. Damn, that's cool. We- so when you talk about panning now, it's like panning is weird. And someone who's probably way smarter than me and knows this stuff more than me will probably correct me. But I think it's so like the when you talk about stereo and speakers, there's like phase, 
for the speakers mm-hmm. and each of and the speakers the speakers themselves are out of phase with each other right so um when you pan to one side you are like essentially like flipping the phase of the other side so it shows up on this side it's like there's some weird cool science about panning yeah that they discovered in the 60s oh that's know? cool it's not that not that old well Stereo weren't able to. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy just, sometimes. It's sometimes I realize all this shit is so young. Um, right. And I'm like, people act like we've ha- we have it all figured out. And it's like, dude, we just fucking invented stereo, like, not but 100 years ago. Like, yeah, how can I mean, we- well, think about, like, the drum kit itself. Yeah. It's, it's only since maybe been around since the early 20s. I know. I think about that as an electric bass player. Yeah. Like, especially when you think about, like, the history of the earth. It's, yeah. like, a pretty young instrument. Nobody really, maybe nobody really knows how to play it correctly yet. Yeah, that's which, the truth. Which is so weird. <laughs> we might have to do a Patreon podcast about all these little tricks you can do with panning and things like yeah, or- oral tricks. Yeah, panning is cool. Like, there's, there's such thing as called, like, so like, there's regular panning, like, that you pan, like, in you know, on a recording console or in your Pro Tools. Then mm. there's also phase panning where you actually use phase to like pan instruments. It's like, it's, it's really spacey. It's, it's above my pay grade. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to get into it, dude. I'll have to see if they've got a nice book on it somewhere. Nice I just Kindle know if you turn reads. this knob to the right, the sound goes to the right. That's what <laughs> yeah. I know. Sometimes there's like, when we're working on music, we like, or this probably works for anything. When you're working on everything, you, you think the right thing to do is to like figure it out rationally right but sometimes that just ain't the way right you just gotta touch it until it happens dude final thing on this song fucking love a song that doesn't play the tonic chord yeah right, right until yeah. the end it resolves on the tonic but the song is in a major it's only it only uses three chords right d e f sharp mm. pretty cool another song that w- does the exact same thing teenage dream by Katy perry you're right very cool although that one is in b flat that's so cool I have a funny story about LP. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I had a neighbor That's who, right. <laughs> who I think was flying to Hawaii or something and knew L- knew that was LP. Yeah. And went and like fucking just talked to him because he's like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to talk to this guy. And they got to talking and LP was telling the story about how he had like gone to like a this is years ago, so I could be butchering this story. This is maybe like 15 years ago. I've never heard anyone tell a story about Longinu Parsons, the drummer of Yellow Cart, so you cannot butcher it. It's yeah. perfect. And I can't verify <laughs> that this story is true. Like, my neighbor could be fucking with me. But it sounded like it's a weird thing to lie about. Yeah. And um, so he was, talking, he was talking to him at the airport or whatever, and um, he was telling him a story about he had gone into um, a Dodge dealership to go look at a Viper which is like a, you know, a really nice car that you don't see a lot of them around. And LP, he looks cool. Like he looks like a, a surf dude. Like yeah. got the cargo short, tank top. Looks like he would like be a surfer, Sick right? dreads. Yeah, he got the cool dreads. And he was telling him about how he was you know, looking at the Viper. Like and the sales guy came up and was giving him a hard time saying that they only reserve this car for people who are serious about buying them and people that could afford <laughs> them. Could not realizing that the dude was like a rock star. Yeah, yeah. And the guy, and he, and and so LP got so mad and was like, da, 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 ended up just buying it in cash. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's fucking, it's so annoying the disrespect I know, for musicians. Just he looks I know, that way, yeah. I know, jeez. It's so lame. That's a funny I story, love that story, though, that yeah. he would just say that to some guy who he doesn't really know. I yeah. love that. And like, cause like, you know, you even know what they say, like, people that have like, a lot of money yeah. don't look like they have a lot of money. I know, I know. Sometimes they look like homeless dudes. They're it, wearing like 
you know, these fucked up jeans and regular Walmart shoes, but they're like millionaires. Imagine, I, I can picture like Jeff Bezos like walking through my Publix. Yeah. Like, like wearing like a, a ball cap for like Kent State or something. Exactly. And it's like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. yeah. Or, or the version with him with the giant brand. Yeah. <laughs> this week's episode of Listen to This is brought to you by Endless Summer Pop Punk Rehab Facilities located in Coral Springs, Florida. It hasn't been 2001 in many years, but sometimes it can feel hard to move on. Tom DeLonge is no longer in Blink-182. He's discovering aliens. Hot Topic doesn't really exist in the mall. Even malls don't really exist anymore. It can be hard, but that's why the people at Endless Summer Pop Punk Rehab Facilities are here to help. With a structured program and a lot of high jumps while holding the guitar, the folks there will help you adjust and take you all the way into at least the era where Watch the Throne came out. At least. Endless Summer Pop Punk Rehab Facilities. Nobody likes you when you act like you're 23 but are really 74. And we're here to help. Thanks so much, y'all, for listening to this podcast. Please let people know about us. Rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe. We're on Instagram and Patreon. I'll put the link in the show notes. We've got a playlist on Spotify with all the songs from and episodes from all the seasons. Let us know what songs you want us to do episodes about. We really appreciate your patronage. Thank you for listening to this.